This is the Living Homegrown Podcast, episode 118. Welcome to the Living Homegrown Podcast, where it's all about how to live farm fresh without the farm. To help guide the way to a more flavorful and sustainable lifestyle is your host, national PBS TV producer and canning expert, Teresa Lowe. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Living Homegrown podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Lowe, and this is where we talk about living farm fresh without the farm. And that can mean preserving or small space food growing or just taking simple steps towards a more sustainable lifestyle. All the different ways that we can live closer to our food, even if we have little or no garden space at all. If you'd like to learn more about any of these topics or my courses or my membership, just visit livinghomegrown.com. This particular episode is going to be coming out in October, and it's the perfect time to start thinking about handmade or homemade gifts that you might want to give at the holiday time. So that's what the topic is for today. It's all about handmade gifts from the garden or using garden ingredients to make gifts for the holidays. And I know you might be thinking, all right, it's October. I'm not ready to start thinking about holidays just yet. But let me tell you something. When I used to see other people who did all these homemade gifts at the holidays, I always didn't start thinking about doing it myself until December. And at that point, I was usually in overwhelm and overload, and it was very stressful to try and make the gifts. But when I started kind of shifting my mindset around it and I started thinking about things that I could make and I started doing it a lot earlier, like in October, then I would end up making things in October and November. And by the time December came around, I was done. I already had my gifts made up. And I can't tell you what a huge weight that took off of my shoulders. Now, I personally love to make things and I love to receive things that were homemade. If you have the same feelings and you like to do that too, then this is the episode for you. My goal with this episode was to present you with several different really simple projects that you could make now for the holidays. And that means that then these gifts could be something that you give, you know, at Christmas time or uh, Thanksgiving, or maybe if you're going to a holiday party or even New Year's, a New Year's party, and you want to bring a hostess gift. All of these things can be made now, and you can even make them just for yourself if you want to. So what I did was I brought back one of your favorite podcast guests, and that was Stephanie Rose. Now, Stephanie was on episode 63, which was a while back, and she did an episode with me, and we talked all about homemade body care. And Stephanie has a fantastic website called gardentherapy.ca. And when she came on, you guys really, uh, you start sending me letters, you left messages that this was an episode you really, really enjoyed. So as we were getting closer to the holidays, I thought this is a great topic. We should do this kind of topic again, because Stephanie is kind of the, a master at doing crafts. And so many of the things that she has on her website and in her book are things that could be used as gifts. That's what the focus is on today for this podcast. So let me just tell you a little bit about Stephanie before we get started. 
Stephanie Rose is the author of Garden Made, a year of seasonal projects to beautify your garden and your life, which was also a gold medal winner from 2016 Independent Publishers Book Awards. She's also the creator of a really popular blog, one of my favorite blogs, in fact, called GardenTherapy.ca, where you can find hundreds, literally hundreds, of DIY garden-related projects, and they're a lot of fun to dig into. And what she does is she wants people to go into the garden and feel the joy and the healing that the garden can bring one crafty project at a time. Now, Stephanie has been published in a lot of magazines. Uh, So let me just tell you just a few of some of the places that her work has been featured. She's been featured in Better Homes and Gardens, Women's Day, Country Woman, Romantic Homes, HGTV Gardens, This Old House, The Huffington Post, and Apartment Therapy. And that's just a few of both the print and online versions. She's been featured in other places as well. Now, she spends her time as a gardener, writer, and artist in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, where she turned her small urban yard into a garden-made heaven, proving that size truly does not matter. Stephanie is very passionate about organic gardening and natural healing and art and how art can be part of your life. That's why I know you guys love her so much. Now, Stephanie lives with her husband, son, and tiny dog, which provide her with inspiration and delight both in and out of the garden. I invited Stephanie back because I wanted her to share a couple of really simple projects with you. So we go over the projects in this episode, and I'm going to have links in the show notes for this episode to her book, to her website, and to each of the individual projects that she mentions. So all of that will just be in one place. The only thing you have to remember is just to go to livinghomegrown.com slash 118. So just do slash 118 and you will get there to the show notes and I'll have links for everything. So that way you don't have to try and write any of this down. Everything will be there. And the links that I'm sharing of Stephanie's also have not only the step-by-step instructions, but also she shares resources for where to find some of the materials that she talks about for these projects. So the three projects that I have Stephanie share with you today are on how to make an herb finishing salt a lavender oatmeal soap, and rosemary candles, all three of which are super fun, super easy, and fantastic gifts for the holidays. And that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg. We'll have links in the show notes for even more projects that you can do. So if you go to the show notes, there's going to be a whole slew of ideas for you. And I highly recommend that you go there. So just remember, go to livinghomegrown.com slash 118 and everything will be there for you. Okay, so with that, let's dive into my interview with Stephanie Rose of Garden Therapy. Hey there, Stephanie. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks so much for having me again. I had such a great time the first time, so I'm looking forward to another another podcast with you. Well, my audience is looking forward to it also because you were one of the uh, very popular episodes that I've done in the past. Uh, You were on episode 63 where we talked about homemade body care and some recipes that people can make 
themselves. And and one of the things that you did was uh, a lip balm, and that was very popular. And I thought this is the perfect time of year to have you come back to talk about more handmade gifts that we can create from our garden. So thanks for coming on. And I think in case someone missed you the first time, why don't we start off with having you tell everybody a little bit about what it is that you do? Okay, great. Uh, So I'm Stephanie from Garden Therapy. I started that blog as a way to reach out to people who are gardening for various reasons. I had I started gardening, I was a city girl. And I started gardening and in adulthood because I became suddenly ill and I wasn't able to work. Uh, I spent two years in bed. I when I started to wake up from this two years of being completely bedridden, I Uh, wasn't able to really go far. My body was weak. My mind was weak. So I went outside my front door. I started scratching in the soil and used that as my therapy, my rehabilitation process. So it wasn't quick. It took another five years or so. But over that time, I completely transformed my garden. I transformed my life. I replaced everything that was unnatural with things that are natural and really started to just incorporate plants as a way of life and a way of healing uh, to have a better life. So that's why I started making my own natural beauty products was to put those great things on my skin and into the products that I was using. But I also do a lot of crafting because of the therapeutic process of using plants to make things. That process is very healing. It's very, it's, it sparks a lot of joy. You get the aroma of the plants, you, the, the feel of the soil, and then you end up with a whole bunch of stuff that you don't know what to do with because <laughs> you can only use so many things. So I ended up, I did a couple of craft shows and I would sell them things, but really I found that mostly I like to write about it and give things away. So making homemade gifts is one of my deep passions because uh, I love to do the making process. I'd rather make things at home than go out to the store and shop for things. And that way I'm giving something to somebody that's quite personal that means a lot to me that's sort of come that I've grown myself it's come from my garden uh, but also I get the experience of doing it and getting my garden therapy at the same time yeah you're so right and I think people really appreciate when they get something handmade because they know that the person gave of their time to create it like I know personally when I get something that someone made it means so much more to me than if they went and purchased something. Not that I, you know, I I just appreciate getting a gift, but it is definitely kind of takes it to this whole other level. And you can learn so much when you're making things yourself and you know exactly what's in something and what's not in something. And I know when you were on before, we talked a lot about how when we make uh, anything like skincare products, you know, when we put that on our skin, we're absorbing the chemicals that could be in there as well as, you know, the the lotion. And so that's why I was I was really thrilled when I discovered your website many, many years ago when I was first <laughs> blogging. In fact, how long have you had Garden Therapy, your your blog? I started the blog in 2009. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I didn't start working on it as a full-time thing until 20. 14, 2015, something like that. But in 2009, I started it as a way just to connect with other people. And uh, over time, I've grown Garden Therapy to have about 800 projects and articles on gardening and crafting. So 
it's full. Yes. <laughs> there's a lot there. I think yes. there's an idea for everyone. <laughs> yes, there is. And here's the thing that if, if no one has ever been to your site, this is what I love about it is you photograph everything that you make so we can actually see what it's going to look like. But your instructions are really, really well done. Like I've been to other blogs where you get there and you start in and maybe you get a little lost or there's a part missing and you're like, wait, I don't get it. You never, I never have that problem on your site. So you do a very, very good job with instruction. Oh, thank you. It's it's really important to me that people can make the things that I'm showing. It's not just me showing things that I'm making, but in, but really trying to teach and provide a tutorial so that they can break it down step by step and not make it so complex. Yes. And the other thing that you do really well is you always provide sources so that we don't have to try and track down the ingredients, which is really important to me. I don't have time. You know, if I want to make something and I found this great instructions, I want to know where to get the supplies. And you always link up to that as well, which is fantastic. So thank you for doing such a good job with that. And that's why I'm so glad that you're here. But I also wanted to talk to you about your book, Garden Made, A Year of Seasonal Projects to Beautify Your Garden and Your Life. And I wanted to know what made you decide to do this particular book? Well, this book came out of the development of garden therapy. So I had been uh, working on the site and, and working on DIY projects. And, and I got some of the same feedback that that you gave, which was the instructions were really good on the website. And so I had some publishers contact me about wanting to write a book. When I looked at what I wanted to do for a book, I wanted to try to find a way to make gardening available throughout the seasons. So for me, I can't just use gardening as my rehabilitation or my healing process in just the spring and summer months. I have to use it throughout the year. So I wanted to find projects that make gardening both accessible and available to people no matter what the season was, and then also no matter what their ability level was. So the idea is the projects are really crafty, they're really fun, they're pretty, they're not very difficult. There's a few that are a bit more complex, but they also can fit into different, not just physical limitations, but also knowledge. So if somebody's a beginner gardener, there's lots of projects that can help them get started. At the same time, it, it appeals to a master gardener who, for example, just wants to add a little bit more creativity to their established garden with some plants that they know and they love. And then they can fit into small spaces as well. So people who don't have a huge space for a garden, these projects are, it's kind of like bite-sized pieces of gardening that you can do throughout the year to keep you, keep your hands in the soil, keep you breathing in that fresh air and the smell of plants and, and uh, give you your garden therapy throughout the year. Yeah, what I like about it also is that, you know, many times we're we're gardening or especially with me with food gardening and you kind of forget that there's other uses for the garden. You know, there's the beautiful flowers or there's the delicious food, but you come up with some really fantastic things that we can do with some of the herbs that are in our garden. You know, they're not just for culinary. They can also be really quite beautiful and fragrant. And I loved that it was uh, by the seasons so that, you know, we could, like you said, use it all year round. And what the reason I wanted to bring it up was because not only are there some really great crafts in this book that people can make as gifts, since that's the topic of today's podcast, Handmade Gifts from the Garden, but also the book itself is a great gift. And I wanted to make sure to mention that. And we're going to be talking a lot about different recipes and different crafts today. And I just wanted to remind everybody that 
whatever we talk about, there will be links in the show notes to everything that Stephanie talks about. She has all these recipes and projects on her website. And the link to get to that will be livinghomegrown.com slash 118. And everybody can just go there to get everything that we talk about. But so you have this fantastic book and everybody can either uh, make the projects for gifts or they could give the book as a gift. But you also have some really great ebooks on your site that kind of relate to what we're talking about. So I would really love for you to mention it because I, I love to give my listeners as many resources as possible. And you have some really great things that we could uh, be making for presents. Okay, great. I, I'm, a, I'm a serial writer. I, I love to make projects and then photograph them and write about them. So I've just, I mean, this is what keeps me healthy. So I, I have created a lot of ebooks as well to go along <laughs> with this published book. So that we talked about the Natural Beauty Recipe book on the last show. And that was a book with uh, recipes all for using elements of nature to completely reinvent your natural beauty regime regime there's also um recipes for sun care in there recipes for um dogs if you have dogs some nice natural deodorants and flea control recipes and then for babies because that was uh i made up all my own recipes for kids when i uh when i had a baby myself so that was very uh it was very important to take out the chemicals and you know not use a a bum bomb that had uh, a lot of toxic things in it if I knew what was going into it and that I could in theory eat it not that I would want to but in theory <laughs> eat it right um, that I would be really safe to use on my son I so then I also did um, just completely for fun because I know that uh, I do a lot of my own I do my own soap making so I do traditional cold process soap making and hot process soap making and with lye and the chemical process it can be a little bit intimidating I just wanted to have some fun. And so I grabbed a whole bunch of melt and pour soap, natural all melt and pour soap. So I found really good blocks that had um, natural ingredients in them and then made a like you the creativity that you can do with melt and pour is just um, out of this world. So I had a lot of fun, made a ton of different projects and put that into a book called Good Clean Fun, the melt and pour, um, the creative idea book for melt and pour soap projects. So it's really approachable. It's really fun and makes great gifts. So you can look like a superstar making soap from this book with um, with really just a little bit of effort. Yeah. And I think it's uh, great if you have kids because that's it's making melt and pour soaps. Uh, you know, I did that with my kids when they were really little. I, I didn't let them do the hot pouring, but they liked to uh, put things into the mold and then watch me pour it in. And then they would demold it and package it up and give it as gifts. And so they were still participating, even though they weren't handling the hot liquid. But it, so it's still something that you can do with children. And they really enjoy making things like this. So I, I, I love that book. And you're right. Uh, it is good, clean, fun. I think that's such a great title. That's, that's really, really <laughs> cute. Uh, and we are going to talk about a soap today in today's podcast. So I wanted everybody to know that there's even more recipes available. And then you also have something that uh, can work with kind of gifts that we might make from our kitchen, right? Don't you have an ebook with that too? 
Yeah. Um, I have one called Sugar and Spice. It's handmade gifts from the kitchen. And this is just, there's a whole chapter on um, herb garden gifts that you can, things that you can make, like the sea salt that we're going to talk about a little bit later on, um, an Italian bread dip, infused vinegars, um, different things that you can put in a mason jar. So there's a whole section on mason jar things, not just uh, canning recipes, but ones that, you know, how to, um, some pickled beets, my favorite pickled beets recipe, a pumpkin butter, uh, caramel apple dippers, things like that. And then there's ones on um, some drinks. So it's got a drink section where I've got a, I make a lot of soda syrup. So I take herbs like ginger and mint and things like that from the garden and make syrup so that I can, I have my own soda maker. So I can take my soda maker and uh, take those herbs from the garden and really turn them into something that you want to sip on when you're sitting out in the garden enjoying it. So there's a lot of different ideas in that book that allow you to whip up something in the kitchen so you can cook it and then give it away. Ah, that's great. And (laughs) I love that you use mason jars. You actually do do that a lot on your site. And so a lot of my listeners are canners. And I think we've talked about that the last time you were on that with canning, you always have a lot of jars sitting around in the off season. And so this is a perfect way for them to use those up. That's fantastic. Okay, well, so let's dive into some of the recipes that are some of the things that crafts that people could make as gifts and give away at the holidays. What's the first one you want to talk about? Well, just the first one that's on my mind is an herb finishing salt. So uh, I made this for an event uh, two weeks ago. I had a a local event. We had um, Burpee Home Gardens did an event here in Vancouver where I actually grew Burpee Home Gardens vegetables in my garden and then harvested them, brought them to a restaurant and the chef cooked them all up for everybody and we had a bunch of foodies come instagrammers were taking pictures and it was really fun <laughs> that sounds like fun man i would want to be there yeah that sounds good it was so, oh it's so fun it was great to have my vegetables that i grew in my garden prepared by a chef i mean it just I couldn't have done what she did, but it was just amazing to see it. So I made up a little herb finishing salt to give away to everybody who came. And it was really, really simple project, but it was not only really fun to make, but it tastes delicious. I've been using it now for weeks on everything that I cook. So to make an herb finishing salt, really you can use any herbs that please you. I chose rosemary because uh, I'm just, I'm such a huge fan of rosemary. Rosemary has a really great property where it relaxes you and helps you focus at the same time. So if you feel like you're a little bit sort of low or down in the dumps or you're having trouble concentrating or you need to study, write a book, having some rosemary next to you really helps. So I picked a bunch of rosemary and then pulled all the leaves, the t- pulled off all the nice tender leaves from the stems. And I'm sure your readers know how to do that, but you hold on to one end and then take your fingers and pull along the stem so all the leaves pop off really easily. Well, I took those and put them in, I have a Vitamix, so I used the dry blender for the Vitamix and ground all that up into, so it was really nice and chopped finely. Added about, because I made a lot of these jars, I made 25 of them, but you don't have to do that many. I used about six limes and zested six limes and then a bunch of coarse sea salt. So mixing those things together, you get this really fragrant salt that's dotted with color and just has this like striking aroma. And so I took this finishing salt and I harvested some fresh tomatoes from the garden, laid them out, and then just put a bit of 
uh, you know, a little sprinkle of salt on top. And it's amazing how much it brings out the flavor. I mean, the salt brings out the flavor, but then you get these little hints of herb and the almost tropicalness of lime that, uh, that was really nice. Ah, I love this. Now, if you didn't have a Vitamix, you could probably just use a food processor, right? Yeah, you can use a food processor. My food processor is very good. My, my Vitamix is excellent. So yeah, yeah mine too. <laughs> That's yeah. why I used it. But yeah. anything that you would, you could, I mean, you can chop it by hand. You don't need a okay. special tool to do it. Okay. Uh, I just, I, I liked it because I did it in seconds. Yes. Yeah. That's always nice, especially when you're making so much. But you know, even though you made a lot and gave it away, you know, for this event, someone could do something like this and give it away for Christmas. And so they could make as much or as, as little as they want. Yeah. And the cost of it was really low for making a lot of them that I spent the most money on the jars because I had those beautiful little Kilner jars with the lid that opens mm -hmm. the, with the terrain lid. Yes. Yeah. So I, I mean, you don't have to pick the nicest jar and, you know, you can have, there's lots of beautiful mason jars. And if somebody has a, a stash of them, then that's a perfect thing to contain it in as well. But actually the cost of the sea salt wasn't that expensive and the herbs came from the garden. So you know, it's a, it's a really good way to do a frugal gift that looks amazing and is really personal. Yes. Uh, and they'll really use it. That's a fantastic gift. And you could also adjust it, you know, a little bit if you had different herbs available, didn't want to use rosemary. But ro I agree with you. I think rosemary is the best for something like this. It has so many essential oils. It just, when you open that jar, I'm sure it smelled amazing. Yes, it does. Yeah, I sometimes I just open the jar and smell it. <laughs> if I need a little bit of energy, I'll just open up the jar of finishing salt, give it, smell it, and then put it back down. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Okay, well, that's great. So, and you'll have the recipe for this so that uh, we can link to it and everyone can just go and follow the instructions. Yes, absolutely. Okay, perfect. Well, that's a really simple one. I love that we're starting off with that. And people can package it up any way they want in whatever jar they have available. Or they could go to, you know, a, a container store or to a jar store and get something really super fancy. Or they could go really simple with things that they already have. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. All right. Well, so let's dive into the second uh, gift craft that you had. I think you had one for lavender oatmeal soap. Yeah. So this is part of the whole melt and pour um, soap making book. And I've got I've, I've got the recipe up for it on Garden Therapy, so and you'll link to it so people will be able to get the recipe. But melt and pour, I mean, really, that's all melt and pour is. You get a block of soap that's already made, cut it up into one-inch square chunks, put it in the microwave or a double boiler to melt it down, and then pour it into molds. So the soap-making process is very simple. It's now, what do you do with it? What molds do you put it in? How do you decorate it? What oils, essential oils do you add? What colors? What botanicals? So I really like this. One of the first ones I did was this lavender oatmeal soap cupcakes. And I did it because I had this great cupcake mold that had kind of tall, round cupcakes. It was just a, a basic silicone mold. I quite like silicone molds for doing soap because it, they pop out so easily rather than the hard ones. So I bought a um, oatmeal soap base. So it already had 
uh, shea butter, oatmeal, and it was a natural glycerin soap. So it had all the good stuff that you would want in a soap without a lot of, you know, some of the detergents and the sudsing agents that you would get in a commercial beauty bar. A lot of soaps in the in the grocery stores or in pharmacies are listed as a beauty bar or a facial bar rather than a soap because it doesn't go through the saponification process. It doesn't have those natural elements in it. So even a, a melt and pour, you can buy ones that have a few more chemicals in them. I make sure I always find the really good quality ones that don't have a lot of extra additives and are just natural ingredients that I can pronounce and that I know, mm-hmm. oils and butters, and you know have that natural glycerin that makes your skin nice and soft. Now on your on your recipe that you have or on your instructions that you have on your website, do you have links within the instructions for some of the natural sources that you use? I do. And I also have um, a guide for soap making supplies. So there's another article and I'll I'll give you the link to that one as well. Yeah. So it helps people sort of sort out what 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 I like and what I don't like. There's there's some soap projects that um, if you want a really clear soap, you have to have one with some things added to it. Uh, But I choose the most natural version I can so that it's. You know, you can you can do you can do it however you want. That's the beauty of melt and pour soap is that it gives you lots of options. But if you if you really want to go the more natural way, then there's there's lots of options for that as well. Ah, well, that that's so helpful having the guide because I think that's one of the battles is you know we want to make something natural, but that like you said, you want to be able to pronounce what's on the in, ingredients list. So you've kind of yeah. already done the work for everybody. And uh, we'll link to all of that on your website so everybody knows what to do. Okay, so Great. we so we have these blocks and we chop them up and we melt them. And then yes. what do we do? So like I said, you can melt it in a double boiler. You can melt it in the microwave. The key is just to melt it sort of low and slow. You don't want to uh, cook your soap. You just want it to melt. And that's, I think, the biggest skill set that you need for making melt and pour soap. So if you can melt it slowly rather than boiling it or cooking it so that it steams, then you've done your job. Once it comes out and it's in a liquid form, you can add essential oils to it. So you pick whatever essential oils. For this lavender oatmeal soap cupcakes, I added a teaspoon of lavender essential oil. Then I added some dried lavender buds that I harvested from the garden. So a couple of tablespoons of dried lavender buds. So they look really pretty. They give it that natural element. And they sort of dot the soap with it. It's also dotted with little bits of oatmeal. So it's uh, you know a little bit more rich soap because it's got these uh, botanicals and additional elements in it. So then I just pour them into the silicone mold and let them harden. I think it takes it depends on what the temperature is, but it doesn't take long, half an hour, an hour. It's really, that's the hard, that's really hard to wait because you really want to <laughs> pop them out and use them right away. Yeah. But the, you know, within a half an hour or an hour, your soap is completely ready to use. You can package it up, you can give it away, uh, you can, you know, lather up, go take a shower right away, whatever you want. So the, the whole thing, once you have the supplies, probably won't take you more than an hour. And then you can get really creative with packaging. So with these soap cupcakes, you can get really great cupcake liners and package them in that, tie them with a little bit of twine, maybe put a little sprig of dried lavender as well with it. You know, it can it can look really pretty. Uh, I love the cupcake liner idea, especially at the holidays. There are so many out there and you could get some matching ribbon. That would be adorable. 
Yeah. And like you said, I mean, this is a great way to give, you know, a hostess gift or you could give a little set of six to somebody uh, instead of bringing them a baked good. So, you know, a lot of people are sort of gluten free and not eating sugar. This is a great way to give a no calorie handmade gift that's, you know, beautiful that somebody can use and really enjoy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're kind of giving a little bit of your garden, too, because you included some lavender buds in there. So you're giving away part of your garden, part of your time. I, I love this. This is really, really good. OK, so and it's very simple. And then if someone like they catch the bug, then they can uh, get some more of the recipes from you on your website. So that's really great. So and then you had uh, another one, another really great project that we can do. And when I saw this what you were creating with this particular craft with pressed herb candles. I thought this was brilliant the way you did this. <laughs> I did because you pressed the herbs into the side and it was really, really clever. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what that project is? So I love making candles because it's really the same process as melt and pour soap. It's you chop up the wax, you put it in a double boiler, melt it down slowly, and then pour it into a container and you've got a candle. You put it, make sure you put a wick in there and <laughs> then you've got a candle. Yeah. So the exact same process that we just went through to make the soap, you can do with candles and it, they look great. And if, and it uses your favorite thing, mason jars. So yes, yes. <laughs> I think that's probably why I was attracted to it. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, mason jars are great because they're heat proof, right? Because of canning. So they work really well. The only thing I like to use is make sure that the candles have a wide mouth because, well, it doesn't necessarily need to be a wide mouth, but it needs to be as wide as the rest of the jar. So if it's a large jar that sort of comes in a little bit at the mouth, then it doesn't give as much airflow to the top of the candle. And you really want as much airflow as possible at the top of the candle. Another way to say this from a canner's point of view is that you want to have straight-sided jars. Right. A straight-sided jar is is going to make the best candle because it gives enough airflow to the top of the uh, top of the candle. Okay, perfect. So, for the pressed herb candles, you can go and pick really any herbs that you want, lavender, rosemary, you know, anything that's got beautiful lines to it. I like, um, you could even use sprigs of evergreens, so a little bits of cedar or something that you find out in the garden that looks really pretty. And then take the tenderest, smallest, most delicate leaves that you can, not the big woody stems, but the most delicate ones, and press them in a flower press or under some really heavy books. I like to use a flower press for this one to make sure that you can really press the herbs down flat. If they have any, you know, woodiness to them, or if you're just doing them under a couple of foam books that aren't that heavy, you might not get them as flat as you need them to be. And the flatter they are, they'll sit against the edge of the jar. And having them sit against the edge of the jar is really the best way for a candle that's going to be burning that has a botanical element in it, because you just want to see the herbs on the edges. You don't want the herbs to catch fire. Uh, right, um, right. So right. we're what we're <laughs> so what we're doing is because uh, you're going to be sticking these to the side. So in case so so people can visualize this in their head. When you look at the jar, the mason jar, you see the herbs around the sides of the candle, and it's it's really quite beautiful. So having them flat to begin with makes that part a lot easier. Right. Yeah. So take the really flat botanicals, use a little bit of wax to attach them to the side of the jar mm -hmm. and then add your wick into the bottom of the jar. If you get your wicks, you can, uh, we, I've got um, materials list on here as well, but you can get wicks with tabs on them and just put a little dab of wax or hot glue on the bottom to hold it in place. And then 
pour your wax that you've melted in the jar uh, around the wick and between the herbs on the outside. And as the candle sets, you'll be able to see the herbs on the outside of the jar, but you'll have that, you know, have the, the candle area available for burning. Yes, and you have pictures of this in the step-by-step instructions. So if, if someone's having trouble visualizing it, it really is simple. But the what made it really stand out to me was that because when I saw it, I was like, how did you get those to stick to the side? But it was <laughs> it was really clever because you just got a little wax on there and pressed them into the side. They were already flat, and that's why they look so great. So yes. that, it makes it a lot easier uh, than trying to you know stick them in afterwards. That would never work. They'd end up in the middle, and they wouldn't be on the sides. So it, it's a, quite a beautiful gift, a really simple gift to make, and yet people would love to get this gift. So I think it's a really good one. Oh, great. And you can scent these with essential oils as well. So um, the, the herbs that you put in aren't really going to scent the candle, but you can use essential oils. You can use those natural elements, things like fir, bergamot, cedarwood, juniper, rosemary, of course, mint, you know, anything from the herb garden and use that to scent the candle so that it gives off that really nice aroma. Fantastic. And so we can customize it however we like, whatever we prefer for our fragrance. Absolutely. Great. Well, these are all such easy, fun gifts to give. And yet whoever receives them will be really appreciative because they'll think you've like slaved for hours. (laughs) Yeah, let's not tell them our secret. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, this is so good. Well, Stephanie, I can't thank you enough for coming on and talking through all these recipes and for creating the website that you have because it really is one of my favorite places. I love to get ideas from you and uh, I will be sending everybody your way so that they can make any of these for the holidays that are coming up. You know, we're in October, but if people start now, they can make these over the next month or two and they will be so far ahead of the game. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been my pleasure and I just uh, absolutely love your show. So it's always an honor to be on. Ah, thank you. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed that interview with Stephanie Rose of gardentherapy.ca. Now, as I said before, I'm going to have links to everything that she talked about in the show notes for today's episode. And it'll be a really simple thing. You can go there and get links to all of these different projects and the step-by-step instructions. So just go to livinghomegrown.com slash 118, and I'll have everything there for you. So hopefully that inspired you to want to try and make some of these projects yourself. If we get started now, we won't have any stress when we reach December and all the holiday parties are starting up. So I highly recommend that you do even one of these projects, and I think you'll really, really enjoy it. So until next time, just try to live a little more local, seasonal, and homegrown. Take care, everybody. That's all for this episode of the Living Homegrown Podcast. Visit livinghomegrown.com to download Teresa's free canning resource guide and find more tips on how to live farm fresh without the farm. Be sure to join Teresa Lowe next time on the Living Homegrown Podcast.